Welcome to Hormonally Yours with the Hormone Dietitian. If you're a busy woman struggling with hormonal issues like PCOS, fertility struggles, and other hormone imbalances, and you feel like you're the boss of your life in every area but your hormones, then you're in the right place. I'm your host, Melissa Groves Azero, integrative women's health dietitian, coffee lover, cat lady, all black wearing, former New York City advertising exec turned professional period fairy. It's my mission to be the no BS hormone nutrition education resource for smart women struggling with hormone imbalances so you can have regular symptom-free periods and optimize your fertility naturally. I'm here to share real, actionable, science-based tips you can use to get real results without cutting out foods, spending hours in the gym or meal prepping, and without losing sleep, because we're all about balance here at The Hormone Dietitian, and I am so glad you're here. Let's get started. Hey there, welcome to Hormonally Yours with The Hormone Dietitian. I am so excited to be sharing a new patient-focused episode with you this week. Jen is a 38-year-old working mom of two living in the Dallas-Fort Worth area who's been diagnosed with PCOS and insulin resistance. In this episode, she talks about her struggles with maintaining healthy pregnancies, having experienced miscarriages as well as gestational diabetes, and then her difficulties managing breastfeeding with insulin resistance. In this episode, she shares some of her tips for PCOS-friendly eating while living a very busy life. So let's dive in. Hey, Jen. I am so excited to catch up with you. It's been a couple of years. So welcome, welcome to the podcast. Let me know, you know, a little bit about you and, you know, where you are, what your diagnosis is, all that good stuff. Okay. Thank you so much for having me. I'm just so excited and giddy to have this opportunity to talk to all these other women about PCOS. Um, So I currently live in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. My birthday is next week. I'll be 38. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I have um, two beautiful kids, a four-year-old and an eight-month-old. And I currently have PCOS with insulin resistance. Like It's bad. I was diagnosed with PCOS in 2015. Yeah, I moved here in 2014 and I I found a new doctor when I moved up here. And then my doctor referred me to an endocrinologist after doing just regular, you know, labs and had told me that they suspected some PCOS and I had never even heard of that, didn't know what it was. And I went to see the endocrinologist and he confirmed it. We did an ultrasound and lots and lots of labs. Yeah. So that was all in around 2015. So I have insulin resistance with my PCOS. That's my biggest struggle. In 2012, I had some like fibroids, uterine fibroids and cysts, but I had those all removed and really just been struggling with the insulin resistance mainly. Yeah. Were you having any symptoms of that that made you go into the doctor to get the testing or what was going on with that? 
Um, my, I was having like the, like the, the sugar crashes and sugar cravings. Like I would eat. And right after I ate, it was like, if I didn't eat something sweet, I was going to pass out. Like I would get lightheaded. I would get dizzy. And then I would binge a bunch of sweets (laughs) and then I would feel sick. Yeah. That, um, you know, the hypoglycemia, reactive hypoglycemia, which happens, you know, usually after eating a meal that's higher in carbs. And then like an hour or two later, you're in that like shaky, sweaty, and really the only way to get out of that is to put sugar in your Yeah. And it's, it seems counterproductive. It's like, why are you going to do that? But it would, it would be the only thing that would make me feel better. Yeah. I remember in my twenties when that would happen at the gym and I would have to like leave the gym and go down to the little bodega on the corner and buy Sour Patch Kids. And it's like, I just totally negated my whole workout by shoving sugar in my face. One of the other um, things that I had noticed was like when I was in college, I would work out, but I was still gaining weight. Mm-hmm. And I was working out pretty consistently because um, I ran track in high school. So when I started college, I was pretty uh, what I considered to be fit. And I know they say, oh, that freshman 15, this and that. No, like this was bad. Like I was just I know I wasn't working out as much as I was when I was in high school, but like the weight was just. Packing on and I, I was pretty much going to the gym at least five days a week. So I know you have two, two little babies at I home. Do. Yeah. Did you, did you have trouble getting pregnant the first time? No. So the very first time I ever got pregnant, it ended in a miscarriage at like six weeks. And so, um, after that we got pregnant again pretty soon. And then I had another miscarriage. So then my doctor referred me to a fertility specialist in Houston that's where we were living at the time. And she did like a full workup and all of that stuff. And we had a, um, we had her tell us that, um, I had, we did genetic testing. She Mm -hmm. told me I had MTHFR gene mutation. So she wanted to start us on like some supplements and different things like that to see if it would help. We had a um, HSG done to make sure that like none of my tubes were blocked and everything was good and everything came back normal. And we were able to get pregnant successfully. They had an in-house dietitian and she had started me on just a bunch of different supplements. Oh, like the right, the right form of folate. Yes, that's exactly what it was. Um, She switched my, um, prenatal to like a one with folate. Yes. And all of that. And I think that probably did help. So then in 2018, I had my first daughter, pretty good pregnancy, except I did get gestational diabetes, of course, from the, I guess the insulin resistance and everything. So we started off trying to manage it like diet controlled. And after like, I guess around like the 12 to 14 week mark, they're like, okay, diet is not working. Um, your numbers are still extremely high. We started insulin. And then I was on two different types of insulin my whole pregnancy. Like a real, someone who really has diabetes, it like becomes such a huge part of your life. Um, yes. And my doctor was very like, 
you know, please watch what you eat during the pregnancy. You don't want to gain too much weight. And with my daughter, I think I gained a total of 20 pounds, which she was proud. She thought that was really good. They didn't want me to gain more than 10, but they were okay with the 20. And then they just monitored me very closely afterwards because I wanted to make sure that the gestational diabetes did not turn into full-blown diabetes and it didn't. Yeah. So that was around, I feel like your daughter was probably around eight, nine months old when you found me. Yes. Yeah. Do you remember the things that you were struggling with at that point? I was still struggling a lot with the insulin resistance. I had just relocated to a new city here to the Dallas Fort Worth area. I had started a new job. I was traveling a lot for work. And so I was not eating the way that I should be eating. Um, I was pumping like seven to eight times a day because my daughter was in daycare and that breastfeeding hunger was a beast. I mean, I was literally like every time I would pump, I'm just like shoving my face with food while I'm pumping in the car driving for work. But yes, I was struggling with the insulin resistance. And then I came back over here and I started working with a new endocrinologist who was really pushing me to take He wanted to put me on metformin and I said, you know, I've been on metformin before. I'll try it one last time, but I didn't really like the way it made me feel. And I did try it for a couple months and it was exactly what I remembered it to be. Lots of gut issues. He kept telling me just, you know, the first couple months are hard. It's an adjustment for your body. And I just couldn't do it. Yeah. Do you, I remember too, at one point he had wanted you to try, was it Saxenda? It was the one that was like $900 a month. Um, yeah, it was like $1,100 or something insane. My insurance wouldn't cover it because I said I was not a diabetic. They weren't going to pay for the medicine, so they wouldn't approve me. So he said the alternative would be Actos. Mm-hmm. But then he said Actos wasn't safe while breastfeeding. So he said, put that one on hold, but metformin is safe while breastfeeding. And here's the funny thing. Um, when I worked with you, you were the first person to ever tell me about the inositol. And mm-hmm. I told him about it. I said, you know, I've worked with this dietitian and this is what she's had me taking. And it's supposed to work the same as metformin. And <laughs> funny, he goes, okay, if this magic powder is supposed to help lower um, your insulin levels, don't you think everybody would be taking that instead of metformin? <laughs> they pretty much are like most <laughs> people are. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, is it okay if I share what your your insulin was? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So when Jen came in, she was really struggling with being hungry all the time, being thirsty all the time. And I mean, breastfeeding for sure. Like you actually need more calories when you are breastfeeding than when you are pregnant. And that, you know, it's so drilled into our brains that, you know, we just eat three meals a day, maybe a snack in the afternoon. And that was not cutting it. Like you were waking up like fainting almost, like feeling pain and not even feeling like you were going to be able to nurse because you were just so ravenous. So you were like, you know, we definitely worked a lot on things you could eat with one hand while you were nursing (laughs) so that that could have, you know, be done. But, you know, we did do some testing on, on you and what we found, you know, just for, for reference, uh, functional medicine 
optimal insulin level is somewhere between around five and seven, and your insulin was 168 which was so high that the testing laboratory company um, flagged it and they re-ran it in-house three times just to make sure. And so, you know, we were looking at this like, no wonder you are like dealing with all of these symptoms. Um, so we really tried to get that insulin down as quickly as possible. And I remember feeling so annoyed like how am i seeing an endocrinologist and my numbers are still this high like what is he really doing to help manage my my symptoms yeah well, I, you know the thing is they're not really looking at insulin they're looking at your fasting glucose they're yes. looking at your a1c, a1C. And the problem with insulin resistance is it can take up to 10 years of insulin being high before it starts to affect your blood sugar or your A1C. So it's like, you know, you clearly got this process going on in the background. And I mean, they weren't willing to throw some pretty big diabetes medicine guns at it to, to get it down. But um, you know, it really was no wonder that you were struggling with hunger and thirst and fatigue, like the fatigue was also crushing. And I mean, you know, when you're breastfeeding, it's like, what even is time, you know, like exactly. there's, there's, you're up at all hours of the clock. So tell me a little bit about like that period after, because I think you know, I work with people for three months and during that period, we're getting those testing answers. We're getting you set on a customized plan. But once we stop working together, then it's like on you to keep going with it. So, and I know you were really determined to, you know, finish breastfeeding successfully and have another child at some point. So what happened, you know, between then and now? Um, so I used what you gave me and I ran with it. I feel like, I mean, you know, I would send you pictures all the time. Like, who am I? I'm eating vegetables with my breakfast. Like I used to never do that. I was eating vegetables that I've never enjoyed or liked before. Like spinach. <laughs> I was eating my eggs all of a sudden now. Um, <laughs> I took your plan and I ran with it and I was taking all the supplements and I was focusing on making sure that I was balancing my meals. And yeah, you know, this, I always hear this in my head, no lonely carbs. <laughs> every meal I was literally like, would Melissa approve of this plate? <laughs> and, um, I was taking all my supplements and I was eating right. And then we decided we were going to try for that second child when my firstborn was like 18 months. And so we just, we weren't getting pregnant. And I started freaking out because I was like, oh my gosh, we waited too long to have the second one. Now I'm infertile, <laughs> which I knew I wasn't, but of course it's like the first thing that comes to your mind. And so went back and saw my doctor and she did a whole bunch of blood work and my levels, everything was good. My insulin was, was on track. She had told me because of my age for us to try three months and then if we didn't get pregnant on our own to come in and she would like to start maybe on Clomid. And then we would do six rounds of Clomid. And if that didn't work, then we would then be referred to 
the uh, fertility specialist. So, you know, as I had mentioned previously, I had already seen a fertility specialist. So I said, I got impatient. I said, I wasn't going to wait. Let's just make the appointment to go see the fertility specialist and find out what's going on. We go to that appointment and the fertility specialist says, I need to be here. He was like, you've been (laughs) pregnant five times. I know you only have one living child, but like, you don't have a problem getting pregnant. You have a problem staying pregnant. And that's when we found out that my progesterone levels were just extremely low after he looked at all my labs and like my miscarriages and all my labs from, from that, he was like, when you got pregnant, your progesterone was like a three, like it was like, incredibly, like super, super low. So that's when my doctor started me on um, a regimen where I can't remember what part of my cycle I would vaginally take the progesterone. Yeah. Second half, just like proactively. Yes. And then once my levels went up, I got pregnant. Yeah, it's you need that progesterone to allow the you know embryo to implant successfully, and to you, it's one of the most common causes of early miscarriage is low progesterone. And you know, um, you're having a birthday next week. You're turning thirty eight, so which is wonderful. Happy birthday to you! Thank you. Uh, but you know. I'm sure you you got slapped with the label of a geriatric pregnancy. So you I know, like, you know what that what that feels like. But you know, progesterone. The bottom line is, progesterone levels start decreasing as we age because our egg quality is not what it was in our twenties and before that. So um, yeah, it makes sense. I I find a lot of of my clients who are over thirty five just need that little extra help with progesterone and it's like nothing to be ashamed of it's just like you know if you have diabetes and you need insulin or you have a thyroid slow thyroid and you need thyroid medication it's just like well you're just not making as much as you used to so let's and my second pregnancy was pretty similar to the first i ended up with gestational diabetes again i was on insulin um but only one type of insulin this time. And so I was, you know, so this was the biggest difference between my first pregnancy and my second pregnancy. I used everything that I learned from you. And I felt like I was able to, even though I wasn't able to control it through diet, I was able to only be on one insulin the whole time. And I lost weight during my pregnancy. Wow. I lost 20 pounds. So I went in delivering this baby weighing less than when I got pregnant. Wow. And your family is so beautiful. I think people, people don't know this about me because I'm not, I don't share baby pictures publicly when people share them with me, but I do keep them in a a little folder on my phone. So if I'm having a bad day, I will go, um, look at those pictures and you have such a beautiful family photo with the sweaters and the like like the fall picture it's just so great it makes me so happy to look at that photo and see you know all the hard work you put in and you know you stay in touch pretty pretty continuously which is so nice like i love getting the updates but i remember before your second pregnancy, you had shot me a message say like with a picture of your A1C. <laughs> yes, I was so proud. Well, it was it was great. It was like five under five point five. It was something like yeah, I think it was like five point three or something. 
Yeah. Yeah. It was beautiful. So it's just, you know, it makes me so happy that the things that we worked on together and the, you know, basic principles that we talk about when it comes to PCOS, which is like balancing your blood sugar and eating an anti-inflammatory diet, like it actually, you know, is something that you've managed to sustain for going on three years now. Yeah, um, it's true. I, I'm very much more cognizant of what I'm eating, how I'm eating. I mean, not to say that I don't have like days where I do eat like pancakes or waffles, you know, I do have those days where I, I, but I just make sure that I'm having protein with it. You know, I'm going to have the scrambled eggs and I'm going to have ham or turkey with it or something. So I try not to feel guilty about what I eat anymore, which was one of the biggest things that I learned from you as well was to not have guilt around eating those fun meals. Yeah. It's just a natural part of life. I mean, so few places where we get joy these days. It's like, you know, we deserve a little sweetness every now and then. And it's, you know, totally possible to live a healthy and fulfilling life without making yourself miserable in the process. I remember, does your sister also have PCOS or it was, I know she was living with you at the time and like eating what you were making. Yes, feeling better. <laughs> but we still live together, yes. And um, yeah, we I do most of the cooking around here, so she eats whatever I make. And yes, she was losing weight. <laughs> it's so great. I love when that happens. I'm I'm always getting messages <laughs> like, oh, my husband lost 20 pounds eating this way. It's like, yeah, well, men, men lose weight. They I know, I, I know for example, my mom will switch my dad from regular beer to light beer and he'll lose like 10 pounds in a week. And it's like, must be nice, you know? Gosh, that's from switching beer. That is nice. <laughs> yeah. So weight is also something that, you know, you you were struggling with and how have you kind of come to peace with the scale's going to do what the scale's going to do? Well, um, I've come to terms with just, I don't really weigh myself unless I'm at the doctor and going to the, I just try to like, but I've become more intuitive again, just something that I've learned from you is just, I know when I'm not eating right because my jeans start to feel a little bit tighter or, you know, my clothes don't fit the way that I know that they should. So that's when I'm like, okay, I need to kick it into high gear again. And just <laughs> like, if I do eat a, a meal that is, um, not PCOS friendly, just making sure I get up and like try to move around after don't just lay on the couch or go lay in bed, just really learning to not let the scale own me. That's really great. I think, you know, that the important thing to remember, even if you do eat a meal, like you eat takeout or whatever, it's like, you can just hop right back on the horse with the very next meal. It's, it doesn't mean you ruined anything. It's just, yeah you know, move on from, from it. Um, speaking of meals, what are, what are some of your, your favorite PCOS friendly meals? What are you kind of making for breakfast these days? I make eggs every single day. Like it is just, it's part of my routine. It's the easiest thing for me to do. So I make eggs in some sort of way every day. And I'm a big fan of bacon. So I usually eat bacon a lot. <laughs> um, I, 
I'm habitual. I do things the same. So <laughs> I have avocados, eggs, and I usually just switch up like maybe I'll have an like part of an English muffin or a piece of toast or tomatoes or spinach, like all of those components. Um, for snacks, I, I really like hummus a lot. So I'll do hummus with like bell peppers cut up or cucumbers, carrots. I'm really lazy. So I don't usually cook lunches. I'll either do snack plates or have leftovers from dinner the night before salads too. Cause like I just throw it all in a bowl and I throw all of my veggies that I cut up for the week and stick it in there. And I have a picky eater. So <laughs> she loves rice though. So I do make rice almost every night. Cause she likes, she likes curries, curries and rice and things like that. So I usually just make sure I'm having a vegetable with dinners. So brought lots of broccoli. We love broccoli and green beans around here. So those are some of my favorite things, but yeah, I think I'm remembering that, that those were, are those the only two vegetables your husband eats? <laughs> it's me. <laughs> it's yeah. the only I do like cabbage too, but there are not a lot of vegetables that I eat. So no, I love that you've been working some more of them into your snacks and your breakfast. So it's like, you know what you like on your dinner plate. Um, you mentioned that you're cutting up vegetables for the week. Are you doing any other kind of meal prep or how does that happen for you? Do you take like some time on a Sunday just to do it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I usually do all my grocery shopping on Saturday and then Sunday is like my big meal prep day. And I'll marinate all of my meats that I'm going to cook for the week, like steaks or um, chicken. And I marinate everything overnight and then I'll grill everything on Sunday. And then my store has a lot of like stuff that's already pre-cut and made. So I'll buy like a container of already cut up and peeled cucumbers because I'm willing to pay an extra dollar for that convenience. Um, <laughs> but um, I like I'll trim all my green beans and cut all my like the broccoli stems and do all that the night before. And then Sunday, I just prep everything and have everything in the fridge. That way I'm not standing in the fridge looking for something to eat. Like everything, my proteins are prepped and everything is there. And then like, right. for my snack plates, I can have like, here's my cucumbers, here's my carrots, here's my broccoli cut up and I can get hummus and I can get ranch and I can have all my dipping sauces. <laughs> I know we talked about this because I talk about this with most of my clients, but like the only, the only good vegetables are the vegetables you're going to eat. And it's like, if I bought a bag of whole carrots, like Yes, the unit price would be lower and my husband would be happy. Um, but a bag of whole carrots is going to end up getting soggy and floppy yep. at the back of my fridge and I'm never yep. going to eat it. So it's like, okay, yes, yeah, so I'm going to spend 50 cents per pound more on these carrots. And that's just the way it is because the only vegetables that are actually good are the ones that actually make it into your mouth. Um, and not like sad <laughs> and wilted at the back of your fridge or in the trash can. Um, exactly. Yeah, we, we we don't really shop together because it drives him crazy. If I'm because there are certain things that it's like I am not buying that whole like a mango. Like I I I just mangled mangoes whenever I try to cut them and I end up wasting so much of it that I actually feel like it's probably cheaper for me to buy it already cut up. Yeah. 
a pineapple though, like I can take down a pineapple in like a minute. So like, <laughs> um, yeah. I'm fine with buying that whole and just cutting it myself. But again, usually it sits on my counter until it's starting to get soggy. And then I'm like, oh crap, I need to cut that up before it goes bad. <laughs> exactly. So I just, I shop um, a lot at Costco too and Sam's Club and I buy the big trays of the already cut at fruit and the already cut at vegetables and it saves my life. Yeah. Yeah. Especially these days, um, you know, time, time is money. And so yes. I'm willing to pay a little extra for convenience in, in certain areas of my life. Exactly. Um, Thank you. <laughs> hey there. So before we get back to the rest of the episode, I just wanted to pop in real quick and tell you about a new workshop I've put together called PCOS Meal Prep Made Easy. If you're like most folks I hear from, you're confused and overwhelmed by all the conflicting info out there about what to actually eat with PCOS. And you may feel like you don't even know where to start. In this hour-long workshop, I break down what foods you want to include for PCOS and what you might want to consider avoiding or minimizing. And I share my simple three-step formula for planning meals with PCOS. The best part is it does not involve spending hours in the kitchen. Yes, you can absolutely incorporate this formula while cooking at home, but what's really great is that you can apply it no matter where you are in a restaurant, getting takeout, at a family meal, or even while traveling. Head over to thehormonedietitian.com forward slash easy PCOS, all one word, to sign up now. Signing up is your first step to finally understanding how to eat to manage PCOS. All right, cool. I'll see you there. Let's get back to the episode. What do you think really has made the biggest impact on managing your symptoms? Uh, I think consistency. I just, I put the inositol in my coffee every morning. Like that is the one thing I don't miss. Like I may forget to take my vitamin D, but I'm not going to forget my inositol because I drink coffee every day. So it's going in my coffee. <laughs> and then I usually make some sort of tea at night green tea, mint tea, herbal tea, whatever tea. And I put it, I put a second scoop in my evening tea. So I know I'm getting that every day. So just really staying on top of that and my, um, like I'm breastfeeding still right now. So I'm taking my prenatal every day. Water again, I'm breastfeeding. So I'm drinking a ton of water. Yeah. A lot of my moms find just having that bottle next yep. to the chair where they breastfeed just like helps them get it in. Yes. You know, this is, this is really the time of year when people are focused on incorporating new habits. And, you know, I find for me with my supplements, I have it, you know, pretty well drilled into my brain by now. It's like, if I'm eating, then I take a supplement. So I have my little like pill case yeah. that, you know, it's like, okay, I eat a meal, I take my supplements, that's what happens. But it's those odd ones that don't fit in the box, <laughs> you know, like, like the inositol. Um, you know, I've had some folks have success with putting it next to their toothbrush because it's like, mm -hmm. okay, if you're, you know, you're brushing your teeth twice a day. So, I mean, most of us are, so, you know, you're going to remember, but any sort of little 
cue you can give yourself to remember, you know, it's time to do this. I'm a big fan of setting alarms on my phone too. Right now, right now I'm trying to incorporate a 4 p.m. habit. And so I just, every day my alarm goes off at four and, you know, you can change the text on the alarm to say what you want it to. You know, for the last month I had it like, turn on Christmas lights. <laughs> like, you know. Now it's like, oh, okay, well, I've got a different 4 p.m. alarm or like a reminder to take a medication that's not, yeah. you know, tied to eating. Because most of us do eat three meals a day. I love the whole snack plate for lunch thing. That is like one of my most favorite things. <laughs> yeah, because ever since I learned like oh, you know, you don't have to have three meals a day and it, and two snacks in between. Like you can make your own rules. And that's ever since I just realized that I'm, yeah, I don't have to have this traditional lunch and the snack plates are lifesavers. Cause I put lots of fruit, lots of vegetables. Oh yeah. Cheese sticks. I love cheese sticks. <laughs> I love guacamole. So I'll have that with like a handful of chips. Yeah. I'm a full-time working mom. I don't have time to like. (laughs) Yeah. So are you back at work? So I work from home (laughs) and the kids go to daycare, but still like we're on the go. Like I'm rushing to get them to daycare by eight o'clock so I can come back home and start my meetings and virtual visits for the day. And I'm usually back to back to back in meetings. So I'm eating during meetings. I'm, you know, just snacking throughout the day. And I really only like sit down and eat like breakfast and dinner, like with my kids. Other than that, like everything else, I'm usually eating in the car, eating during a meeting or eating (laughs) like in the middle of the night when I'm pumping or something. (laughs) Yeah, it it happens, you know. I've I've heard like really judgy kind of nutritionists be like, "Oh, you shouldn't eat in the car. It's disgusting American habit." And it's like, "Well, when I'd rather have you eat in the car than not eat at all." You know, and full disclosure, Jen has been sitting here folding her laundry for this entire conversation. So I love, you know, like as a mom and a working mom, like you have to multitask and it has to get done. Like, yeah, I'm going to fold all of these kids clothes. <laughs> yeah, you get it. You get to do, you know, it's like. When I'm exercising, I'm listening to podcasts or audiobooks, and it's just I'm I'm doing squats when I'm brushing my teeth. It's just like, how, however you gotta like fit it in. It's so funny. I have so many clients like apologize to me for eating lunch or eating breakfast when they have an appointment with me, a virtual appointment, and it's just like. Don't apologize. Like, I'm glad to see you prioritizing eating when you're sitting down, you know? Yes. So funny. Um, yeah, you got to just, I don't know, got to oh. get it done. There's not enough hours in the day for everything. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I know, like, the school day goes by really fast for me. Like, all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, like, my workday is over. So I'm sure daycare goes by really fast too. I know. And it, it sounds crazy, but like when I'm cooking breakfast at the same time, I'm already like, oh, I need to take this out for dinner or put this in the crock pot for dinner. It's like, I'm making breakfast and dinner at the same time. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like you have a pretty good plan though. That, you know, 
that you're, you know, defrosting and marinating ahead of time. So you're kind of getting ahead of the meals or having at least a general game plan. Yes. I mean, like I said, planning, I just think that that's the most important part and just being consistent with like, I do a lot of um, like online grocery delivery or like pickup for pickup. I just, you know, with COVID and this whole pandemic stuff, I just don't really go anywhere anymore. I don't go to the grocery store, which I used to really love grocery shopping, but I just can't risk going and picking something up and bringing it to my, to my babies. So I do a lot of just Instacart. I said, I'm going to pay $99 for convenience again Mm -hmm. for a year. I'm going to try it out. And I've absolutely loved it. You put your Costco membership in and then they don't charge you the convenience fees. If you have a Costco membership. That's great to know. We don't have a lot of, um, I've done it a couple of times and I did it, you know, definitely earlier in the pandemic when I was, you know, trying to figure out how to get food home. (laughs) Um, And I also do a lot of Sun Basket. I had always, you know, I've been doing Sun Basket for about five years and I had always done it like one or two weeks a month just to kind of take the pressure off of meal planning. But Mm -hmm. since the pandemic, we've been doing it weekly and it's such a lifesaver because it's like, okay, that's three balanced meals that I don't even have to worry about. And, you know, my husband's a varsity coach uh, this year. And so he's gone a lot at night and I'm just not going to cook for myself. Like I'm not going to make myself a meal. And they have these like little pre-made meals that you just microwave. So I've been, you know, throwing at least a couple of those in every week because it's like, okay, well, I can heat something up for four minutes and then he can heat it up when he gets home. So yeah, all about, all about that convenience. I literally just had a prescription delivered. I think it's coming later today from CVS because. Yeah. Oh, I do the same thing. Yes. It's snowing. I don't want to go out (laughs) in the snow. Like you know, yep. all of it. And and it was free. I mean, it's like free free delivery. Why would I say no to that? You know, exactly. Yep. That was another convenience I paid for too. I got that CVS care pass and I get my prescriptions delivered for free. Yeah. Guess I paid whatever, but still (laughs) anything, anything that you can automate or delegate is like the way to go. And you know, that's, that goes for husbands too. It's like, you know, my husband really, he does all the dishes. Like I don't wash dishes. Nice. Um, we kind of have a similar setup. I do all the cooking and he does all the laundry because I hate laundry. Mm-hmm. Except I don't let him touch my kids' laundry because they have this um bougie bamboo stuff that he doesn't <laughs> know how to launder. So I have to t- <laughs> have to do that. But still, he does all of our laundry in the trash. Oh, well, my husband is he's a sneakerhead and he, he collects like basketball shorts and he has all these, you know, things. So like, he is way more careful about laundry than I am. Like, like if he does mine, he'll tie all the strings and like turn everything inside out. And I just like shove it all in, you know, like, like till the lid is barely closed and (laughs) turn it all on the same temperature. And I just, I don't separate. So like, he actually does a much better job at laundry than I do, but since we've moved, I love that. Since we've moved into our house, I've been doing my own laundry. Um, you know, to the detriment of my laundry, everything's like fading, baggy. Like maybe he should go back to doing it. 
<laughs> yeah, I was thinking about something else that we were just talking about. If people are ever feeling like they're stuck in a rut and they don't know what to eat, I'm like a very visual person. So like I, I'll Google like easy breakfast ideas and like just finding a picture like, okay, for instance, like this, mm-hmm. it's a picture of tomatoes sauteed with sauteed spinach and eggs. Like that's like, that's inspirational to me. And I'm like, I'm going to make that tomorrow. And then like, same thing with like, this is a salad with boiled eggs, avocados, a little bit of chicken. And so I'll look for like different ideas like this. And I'm like, oh, and that's what I'm going to put in my basket. And I'll look at these pictures, like for motivation on when you just get stuck and you don't know what to eat. I just look at different food pictures. So that's, that's silly, but that's awesome. Do you use Pinterest for that at all too? To like I do else? not. I hate Pinterest. <laughs> Pinterest gives me a headache and I feel like I don't know how to use it. I feel like what Pinterest is. Do you remember Lucky Magazine? It was like a magazine that was literally just pictures of things to buy. So it was like, you know, I I remember it like flipping through it in the nail salon because it was just completely brainless. It's just like, oh, let me just save this lipstick I want to try or let me save this, you know, sneakers I want to look at. That's my kind of magazine. Yeah. And I feel like that's what Pinterest is. It's just like pictures of things to look at. It's funny though. I was just looking at like my SEO, my like website backend stuff yesterday. And I ranked pretty high for people searching for things like PCOS friendly breakfast or PCOS friendly dinner. It's not like I've put into any effort into that. So you totally made a cookbook. What are you talking about? Yeah, well, obviously the PCOS friendly cookbook yeah. has 16 weeks of of PCOS friendly recipes. I actually got, you know, if you ever want to feel bad about yourself, like go read your Amazon reviews. I've had people like complain that the recipes are too easy. <laughs> it's like it's not really a recipe. It just says to assemble the things that you chopped up on Sunday. And it's like, well, that was the point. You know, it's supposed to be people are ridiculous, especially people who live reviews on Amazon. You can never believe them. I used to like when I first started my website, I used to think that I had to have these like super fancy recipes and like, you know, really beautiful things. And then I start, you know, when you're actually working with actual people and finding out people don't cook. And I don't, I don't like to spend more than 20 minutes max on a weeknight in the kitchen. And so that was when I was like, oh, I need to start doing more like sheet pan meals and more smoothie, yes. like, you know, anything you can. And lately, like the air fryer has been oh. a game changer. Yep. I air fry my bacon. Do you? Oh, oh my gosh. Oh. If you haven't air fried your bacon, oh, you're missing out. It comes out so crispy and so good. Doesn't smell up the whole house. And it's done in like five minutes. Oh, I will have to try that. (laughs) We're having um, Lily Nichols on the podcast this month as well. So she is, you know, real food for gestational diabetes. Yes, I have her books. Real food for pregnancy. Yeah, she is amazing. But I've actually been making one of her creations, which is you put vegetables on a sheet pan. So like 
Brussels sprouts or broccoli or cauliflower or whatever you have. And then you lay the strips of bacon on top of that. And then you put that in the oven and the grease strips down. It's like you don't even have to put oil on it because the bacon grease like cooks in the vegetables and it's so easy and so good. Anything that you can make without hands-on attention is like a winner for me. Oh yeah. That's why like I just, I live by my crock pot during the winter seasons and my instant pot. Do you? I haven't gotten into the Instant Pot yet. I mean, I bought the one that I have the Ninja Foodie, so it does both, like the air fryer. Because I was looking for one that doesn't have Teflon because I want, you know, hormone Mm -hmm. hormone disruptors. So I I got that one, but I have not even used the Instant Pot feature yet. What are you making in there? What are the kinds of things? Yeah. um, Well, I use it a lot as a rice cooker because it Mm -hmm. takes 12 minutes to make the most perfect fluffy rice. But like I'll buy um, like a pot roast mm-hmm. and it cooks it in like 45 minutes and it's like shreds apart like super easily. Um, my husband loves beef tips, so I can make beef tips in there on the days that I have forgotten to take out chicken or something. I put my frozen chicken in there with like a jar of salsa and taco seasoning and I make shredded chicken tacos in like 30 minutes. That's amazing. I just made breakfast for the first time for New Year's Eve. And I mean, it, you know, it's hands off. So it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, I knew I had to start cooking it three hours ahead of time, but it's like literally just put it in the oven and walk away. So, yeah. Um, but I was surprised how easy it was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, yeah, I, those are like the only two things I've been cooking with lately since it's 20 degrees over here right now, which I know that's nothing compared to where you are because it's snowing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's actually not that cold. I think it's in the 30s here today, but it is snowing. That's wild. <laughs> yeah. I could keep you all day chatting. Um, yeah. It's so good to catch up with you. But why don't we, we wrap up with a couple things for, sure. for the listeners? So, what would be one thing that you would tell your younger self? Oh, my goodness. You know, I would tell my younger self because I got discouraged when I told you, like, I was going to the gym all the time during my college days and I was still gaining weight. I kind of just, like, let it go. I was like, well, then if I'm going to work out and gain weight, I'm just going to not work out. So I stopped working out. I would tell my younger self to just stick with it. Find something that that you love. Like, I wish I would have like picked up yoga or Pilates or something that would have been like a fun class to go to that would have kept me motivated to keep going. That's what I would, would tell my younger self is to just find an exercise that I really enjoy and stick with it. Cause I'm, I'm going to be honest. I'm not going to just go to the gym anymore. Like if the gym doesn't have childcare, I'm not going to be able to go. <laughs> I really should just cancel my membership. I'm still cheap. I mean, it's $20 a month for Planet Fitness. So I'm like, whatever. Um, I keep telling myself I'm going to go use their massage table, but it hasn't happened in the last two years. So <laughs> I really just need to stop paying the money for nothing. No, it's good. It's true. There has to be something in it for you um, in order to keep going. And that's why... You know, I like things like like challenges, like maybe you challenge yourself to run a 5K in the spring and then you train towards that or, you know, I'm so silly. I have, we, we're a Nordic track house, so we have Nordic track bike and elliptical and every month they do challenges and 
I, you know, it's like a little contest to see if I can finish the challenge or not. And then they yeah. say, little magnet. And I'm like, it's like something, something there to keep you going. I think that's great. Um, and what would be one thing that you want people with PCOS to, to take away from this episode? Um, I guess for the people out there who are wanting to be moms, is just that just because you have PCOS doesn't mean that you can't become a mom. It may look like a different journey for you, but it's definitely possible because um, I was able to do it twice and hopefully we'll have a third before I turn 40. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that was in the cards. So. <laughs> yeah, I think we want one more, maybe a boy. If it happens, if not, I will be happy with three girls. Well, that's so awesome. And I'm I'm sure you'll keep me in the loop as you're going through everything. Um, thank you so much for joining me, Jen. This has been, it's been so nice to catch up with you and see where you are. And I know that your story will help inspire other women with PCOS. So thank I you. I hope so. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining me for this week's episode of Hormonally Yours with the Hormone Dietitian. See you next week. That's it for this week. Thank you for listening to this episode of Hormonally Yours with the Hormone Dietitian. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd really appreciate it if you could open up the podcast app you're probably using to listen to this episode right now and leave a quick rating or review. Your reviews help this podcast get seen by more women who could benefit from the information I share here. Stay tuned for our next episode, and in the meantime, stay balanced.